This week's Property Matters on Dublin South FM, the show that brings global trends to an Irish audience. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Your host for today is myself, Carol Tallon. Due to COVID-19 restrictions, we are still recording remotely, so apologies for any poor sound quality throughout the show. Uh, first up, I'm delighted to be joined over the phone by Barry Cull, Head of Homes at in South Dublin for AIB. Barry, thank you for joining us today. I know you've been a regular guest on the show, but we haven't spoken since the pandemic. So h- how are things with you first? Yeah, um, and thanks for for having me back, Carol. Yeah, I think a, a lot has changed since I was last on, on the show. Um, all good, I suppose. Um, certainly in, in terms of, of ourselves, we are uh, probably no more than any other business Um adapting as as time goes on over the last couple of months to the the, the different way of working um and 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 adapting to the different needs customers have had over the last couple of months so it's 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 but it's certainly changed significantly from uh from from four or five months ago yeah absolutely well look let's just start with your own circumstances there so are you working from home or are you office are you back to the office at I this am, stage i'm back into the office so i had um for april and may i was working from home so working from home and uh and teaching on the side because i have a four and a, a six-year-old <laughs> of uh, course home homeschooling became the new it, reality yeah. didn't it? it it convinced me carol that I've, I've probably chosen the right profession that teaching wasn't <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah my team to be fair to them uh so i was predominantly at home my team were mixture between being in a branch Mm-hmm. Uh, or working from home themselves, uh, or, or or kind of going between the 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 two. Um, so look, they were uh, they were still available to to meet customers or to talk to customers over the phone at any stage during that the last couple of months. So to be fair, they yeah. they showed great flexibility in it. That's great. Well, look, obviously we're we're going to discuss um, new lending and maybe some of the more recent reports that came out over the past week or two. But I think first, just to address um, what's happening at the moment in terms of buyers who had um, maybe mortgage approval and then obviously their employment situation changed. So, I mean, would it be fair to assume that's the majority of queries your team were dealing with over the past couple of months? It is, yeah. So, so predominantly, as you say, we had a lot of customers that were approved, and they were at various stages of that approval. So, we had from initial approval in principle right through to people who had full letter of offer and were looking to close relatively quickly. Um, yeah. So, the guys have been have been dealing with those. We have probably um, when with the with customers that were at offer letter. I suppose we were very anxious to make sure that they were still in a position to to draw down the mortgage. Um, if they're on the subsidy, we did a little bit of analysis to make sure that uh, that it was affordable, or that there was even a level of contingency that it was affordable for a for for a period, a short period of time. Looking a little bit at the, I suppose the the type of work they were doing because customers. 
uh, and this was probably what was interesting. A lot of the customers that were at letter of offer stage would have said they were happy to pause it themselves. And, and it's probably an interesting one in, in terms of customer behavior. Um, there were we customers, Carol, that were really prudent about this, looking at it and saying, do you know what, I'm not okay. 100% sure of my of where I'll be income-wise because we had people who were availing of the subsidy or their employer was using the subsidy to pay them. We had people that were taking a pay cut, uh, whether temporary or, or potentially more permanent. We had people that maybe were quite reliant on bonus and they wouldn't have been as sure and, and reasonably enough wouldn't have been as sure. And, and we did have a lot of people that came to us and said, look, we're, we're actually going to hold off on this until we see how things go for the next few months. Um, for our part, if you were at letter of offer, we were, we were working to get that for over the line for you. Yeah. And actually that, that's the cohort, I suppose, that we would have gotten the most inquiries about, um, you know, people who had their letter of offer, you know, people who had actually signed their contracts and were were waiting to close or waiting to draw down funds. Yeah. Um, so and I know I, I understand that there was a very bespoke approach taken. Um, so each case had to be considered on its own merits. But just uh, for people, say, who had signed contracts and that were under under contractual pressure to close, but the mortgage, their income, obviously, the situation had changed. What was the bank approach there? So with uh, any of our letter of offer customers, we essentially added in an extra layer of, of credit analysis. So we were just we were looking for confirmation that they were still being paid, even if partially it was it was through the, the subsidy. Uh, we were looking for, in some cases, maybe a letter of comfort from the employer uh, to give us the, the reassurance that they would still be working over the next over the next while. And I suppose in general, we were just communicating with them and chatting to them about how they felt about it uh, and how they felt their own prospects were. I think on the letter of offer side of it, we had a tiny, tiny of minutia of customers that mm-hmm. were looking to progress that we didn't. And when I say tiny, I mean minuscule, the vast majority, 95% plus of customers that were at letter of offer that were looking to close close that mortgage. Uh, initially, I, I think there was probably just um, a little bit of, of panic over it, particularly for customers that were in April, uh, looking to draw in April or, or right at the end of March. Uh, but no, we got, we took a, we probably took a, a quite a customer first approach to that, um, given how late they were in the process. And as long as we could satisfy ourselves that in the longer term, that they'd be capable of uh, of repaying it, then we we went ahead and drew that mortgage. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was a particularly difficult, um, it was particularly difficult for, for that cohort of buyers because um what what we saw uh, through our own experience was that most um most vendors took a reasonable approach uh, certainly with the second hand homes there might have been maybe a little bit more pressure put on people not to not to renegotiate however we did come across one particular developer um within in one of the commuter um counties of Dublin and that that uh, developer was was um, where there was contracts for new homes. They were trying to enforce the date that was on the contract, which was incredibly unfair. But it, you know, they 
they took a while to take a reasonable approach um, and it was something that added enormous stress onto the buyers in that case. So, you know, I, I'm delighted to hear that that there has been such a reasonable approach being taken because, again, in our experience, that was the majority of developers selling new homes as well. But yeah. there was still some people who were caught and those contractual obligations were definitely held over their head and they, they were in a very difficult position. And, you know, again, I know maybe the banks came into some criticism here, but obviously people understand there's a prudent approach here that needs to be taken, that it would be irresponsible to allow borrowers to, to go forward where their circumstances had changed that perhaps we're not going to bounce back in three months' time. Exactly, so, yeah. And and, and look, uh, like I think we, as we went through this, no more, no more than any other business, we evolved our approach as we went through April and May. Mm. Uh, the time aspect of it was interesting because I think, yeah, look, was, was there an extra time element for us uh, in maybe assessing cases just before a drawdown there probably was but to be fair and you said it there Carol the the sellers in in almost all cases uh were very reasonable uh, mm. developers were very reasonable and understanding of the circumstances you mentioned we definitely saw a level of renegotiation in April where people m- might have been able to to get themselves a, a five or ten percent decrease on that price um mm-hmm. No, I'm not sure that's going to be long-term sustainable, given that uh, the the way the market has has gone since. But uh, no, I think I think we all kind of got through it together with a with a little bit of adapting our previous approach. Uh, yeah, and and that's probably been the, the the challenge. We've all I think we've all learned a lot from us over the, over the last uh, over the last three months. Oh, absolutely. Across so many things. And in fact, I'm not sure that we've even fully appreciated yet the psychological impact back into the marketplace or whether it's um, uh, going ahead with the transaction. You know, we still don't fully know what the impacts are going to be. But say now, as we are kind of in the early stages of July, what is the situation here in terms of, I presume, most of the the, um, mortgage applicants whose financial situation and whose work situation changed temporarily are they pretty much back to normal as in are they back into the workplace yeah i think we're yeah so so it is uh, with the phasing back of and, and the, the loosening of restrictions i i think gradually we've seen that um in the early stages we were pausing so some of the, so the early stage customers who may be at approval in principle uh we had paused those customers mm-hmm. just to to see how May and and June went. We've so we've again we've adapted that as as people have got back to work and the economy's opened up a little bit. Uh, so we what we we're now we're in a position now even with new customers to be able to give them an approval conditional on the subsidy uh, before they they draw down. What we're seeing actually again back to that prudent approach from customers themselves is that anybody who who is in a, a little bit of doubt over what their own employment scenarios will be over the next couple of months is is talking to us and exploring their options um but to be fair not not necessarily seeing any over commitment from customers either okay there's, there's a there's a, a real i suppose sensible approach to, mm-hmm. to to this uh from customers um so yeah that has 
that that's kind of become a, a feature of this. Look, we've we've moved our position on it uh, as it has gone on, and, and we'll continue to to adapt as the economy opens up as well. Yeah, look, it's the approach that every um, customer facing business needs to be taking. Uh, so again, we're still at quite early stages to assess the impact. But uh, one of the things that we've seen over the past uh, five and six weeks, as estate agencies nationwide have opened up. Um, anecdotally, there seems to be strong demand in terms of viewing figures. Now, I know viewing continued in a virtual manner throughout the mm. period of lockdown, but now that um, the in-person viewings have started up again, estate agencies in most parts of the country are recording uh, quite strong demand. So is that translating into new mortgage inquiries now for AIB? It is. So um, our application levels are, are at a, back at the level that they were in January and February okay. uh, over the last, particularly over the last three or four weeks. I think, and, and as you mentioned there, I, from, from my own conversations with estate agents, um, there is, is a, a steady traffic through, uh, through their viewings. Probably from my own team, anecdotally, the customers that are coming in looking for a mortgage now uh, are very, very clear on what they want since then. So, so one of the, the questions that would never have been contemplated probably at a mortgage application now is they are looking at buying somewhere where they can work from home potentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I think maybe a period of time, whether it was, Young, younger couples maybe living with pa- or single people living with parents that have now decided whether they, whether they, whatever that experience was for the three months that they've decided now uh, now is my time to buy. Um, they, I suppose the, the, they have a very clear view of what they want, and I think we we have customers coming in and say, look, I actually what what this last three months has convinced me is that I want to buy a home and uh, and look. I'd like to get my approval and I want to start viewings as quickly as possible. Yeah. Where before we, so we offer a 12 month approval and it it wouldn't be unusual, Carol, for somebody to get the approval, not do a huge amount with it for a couple of months and then start viewings. But the the customer behavior here is, is very clear, very focused almost on what they're, what they want to do. So that has definitely been a change for us. That's an interesting one. And that actually mirrors very closely some results from uh, Zoopla and Rightmove in the UK. The, this change in customer be- or consumer behaviour towards property that not only are they much more focused on what they want to do, but actually the last few months has definitely given people an opportunity to reassess um, what they're looking for in a property. So, for example, one of the trends mm. we're seeing, and actually uh, my home in the last couple of weeks uh, released reports on what their search histories uh, for buyers, uh, prospective buyers have been. And, you know, there's been a huge increase in properties, uh, particularly on the West Coast of Ireland, and a huge increase in property searches for anything below 100,000. So, you know, definitely people, there there has been a shift and it's not just seen in Ireland, we're seeing it across the UK. Um, one of the other shifts we've seen is this move towards a more sustainable approach to living. And that's something that AIB has kept pace with. The last time you were on the show, you talked about um, the new AIB green mortgage offering. And that was at very early stages, um, just after Christmas. So yeah. where has that offering, where has that moved to now? So, so, yeah, so we've we've launched, a, a, I suppose, a special fixed rate for customers that 
have uh, an energy rate at home that's energy rated between A1 and B3. Um, so very much focused on uh, the sustainability element of and, and, and driven by demand mm-hmm. as well. So I suppose customers are, are motivated now to produce a, or to purchase a home that, that reduces their own their carbon footprint. So we're responding to their demand. Um, it's our lowest fixed rate, so it's 2.45%, um, which I suppose is it's a show of intent from, from AIB mm-hmm. in that we take sustainability very seriously uh, and our role in in, um, in that space as well. So what I've noticed actually, again, Carl, since it, and, and with any new product launch, the, the first couple of months are, are always a learning experience. It is one product where we have had people directly approaching us saying, I'm, I'm actually looking to talk to you about one of your green mortgages. No mention of rate, just I want to talk to you about your green mortgage. Um, so that, that it, it has definitely hit a, hit a positive um, nerve with the, the customers um, and existing customers can, can move on it as well. So. That's that's an interesting one. Um, are, but uh, uh, now it might be too early in the in the uh, uh, data side to be able to tell this. But um, because the energy rating has to be between a, an A one and a B three, that's primarily going for new or newer homes. Does it apply to people who are buying a property with the intention of renovating to that standard? So if they, if you have somebody that's buying and renovating. Um, we're able to once they once they have it renovated, we're able to move them on to that rate uh, once they have the the bare cert at that stage. So, um, and again, it's something we've had a lot of customers come in. So the demand for top up mortgages over the last few months for, I suppose, energy rate energy improving home home improvements mm-hmm. has increased. Um, so yeah, look, it was important for us as well that existing customers and um, and customers who may not have a, a, a home rated at that uh, at that energy rating, but that we have the intention that once they get there, we're also able to 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 offer this to them. So yeah, very very positive, and from a sustainability uh, from a sustainability perspective, even and. Um, and certainly, good good reaction to it from the market. That's good. Look, oh, whenever you're whenever you're talking about new product offerings that are actually coming from a demand base, we know we're on the right track. So that's an important yeah. one there. Um, okay, we we'll leave it there for now. Uh, Barry, thank you so much for joining me today. My thanks again. Uh, that was Barry Cole, head of homes in South Dublin AIB. We need to take another quick break. Stay tuned. Ninety three point nine. Dublin South FM. Welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. I'm delighted to be joined now by Damien Kilgannon, Head of Property at the IDA. Damien, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Carol. Damien, we were just chatting there before we came on air that it has been an interesting few months. So, look, you might just tell us, I, I suppose, as head of property at IDA, um, you must have been dealing with a lot over the last kind of four to five months. So you might just give us an overview, really, of how the, the 2020 has been for you so far. OK, so in, I suppose in terms of, of IDA, um, it has been a very challenging period across the globe. So we were dealing probably with shutting down offices from a much earlier period um, in our um, in our Asia markets. Um, so with, with 
31 offices worldwide. Um, we were probably dealing with this pandemic from a facilities perspective from, from late 2019 um, and early 2020. Um, from a construction perspective in Ireland, um, I suppose the, the, the impact of lockdown had uh, across our uh, 36 business and technology parks and strategic sites and our client companies, we had directly impacted you know, over 30 uh, small, medium and large scale construction projects. And then across our client portfolio, there was many major projects which were, which were brought to a halt. So um, supporting, um, supporting our clients um, supporting, I, I suppose, our development projects and our design teams uh, through that period um, was a huge part of what the what the team has been has been working to to ensure that that we we got through it and that we maintained um, that we 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 maintained the activity levels um, so that we could restart construction as soon as the lockdown ended. Yeah, and um, I, it's interesting that you had the perspective of maybe what was happening in other jurisdictions. So actually, in terms of the bases, the, the 31 international offices that the IDA has, um, obviously other jurisdictions opened up and restarted their construction and other industries prior to Ireland. So are there any maybe insights from the experiences of your international offices that you can bring to Ireland? There certainly are, and I think, and I think that we've been working very closely with other government departments and with our parent department, Department of Business, Enterprise and Innovation, over the last number of months. And the Return to Work Safely Protocol, which was um, published in in early May by by the Department of Business, um, it aligns itself, you know, to international experience um, of 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 reopening offices safely, uh, the implementation of social distancing. Um, the I suppose the correct amount of signage, the correct amount of of uh, in terms of utilisation of offices, and ensuring that full risk assessments um, are completed of office spaces um, before the bef- before staff reoccupy. And that return to work safely protocol and the five stages originally published by government of of returning um, of, of returning to the workplace and 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 offices being at the back end of that following the virtual first model. A lot of that was informed by, I suppose, experience um, of client companies and experience of IDA and indeed experience of of, um, of the of the general public arising from um, uh, the, the the Asia uh, experience and 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 reopening the the Asian markets over the last over the last number of months. Okay, of course. And, you know, you talk about the importance of working closely with government departments here, but obviously there was such, um, I I suppose, it was an interesting time politically, as well as everything else that was going on in the country, you know, that you were dealing with, you know, a a minister and a department that was likely to be changing and did, in fact, change over. So how has that impacted on maybe some of the strategies that needed to be implemented? And, and I think, and I think to be to be to be fair to um, all of what was happening at the time, government didn't act as if they were in transition. Government acted very decisively. Um, the minister for business, enterprise, and innovation up until up until a week and a half ago acted uh, as the minister, uh, not as a minister in transition. Um, decisions were made. Um, even when we look at the publication of of the. Uh, return to work safety protocol. The other guidance um, 
documents that were published during that period. They were they were published on Saturdays, they were published on Sundays, they were published at night. Um, government got on with, with doing the business that government needed to do. Um, and the transition happened very seamlessly. So as as a, 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 I suppose as a member of the leadership team in, in IDA, um, we didn't feel a difference as a result of a change in minister. Um, we continue to work with, with the department very successfully throughout that period. And the, I suppose the fiscal system ensured that the department um, was, was supporting the needs of IDA and its clients, Enterprise Ireland and its clients, um, and across the enterprise sector. So I think um, I think that transition happened seamlessly, and and credit to to all the parties of government, um, including the opposition, who ensured that the support was there for you know omnibus legislation that was required in order to support the um, the the legislation amendments that were required to ensure that that Ireland successfully implemented lockdown, and and brought itself on the road where we are with very low numbers. Um, in, in terms of infection and, and good control and a good example internationally. Yeah, that's such a that's such an important point that really can't be uh, stated enough and its importance can't be overstated that the government of the day didn't act as if they were in transition, which was so fundamental to, you know, the things that have gone right over the last number of months. So it's a, it's a really great point. But uh, I suppose taking it back to the IDA, um, you know, there will be people listening. Obviously, this show um, is targeted at members of the planning, construction, property and prop tech sectors. But I'm quite sure that there will be many people who don't have maybe a good handle on um, the, the property department and um, function within the IDA. So like we, we might just take it back a step there and maybe you, your role and the division um, there within property. OK, so um, I lead a team um, of, of, of almost 50 people. Um, we are split into we're, we're split into to six teams. So within within the property function um, and, and they are um, and they are the property marketing team, which assists the entire property market um, to ensure that we market Ireland as a, as a successful place to do business. And we, and we market our properties um, and private sector properties uh, to ensure that solutions are, are provided for client companies. We have a legal governance compliance team to keep us all, um, mm-hmm. to keep us all compliant. Um, and we have uh, the global facilities team. And then we have three development teams that work across three different portfolios um, and support the business um, and support the business of, of IDA. In terms of what we do then, so in terms of, of what, what does the um, property portfolio of IDA look like? IDA property portfolio is spread across 36 business and technology parks all the way um, spanning the, the mm-hmm. depth and breadth of the country. Um, and it has 12 strategic site land banks um, with major infrastructure there to support um, to support major projects like data centers, like biopharma and pharma manufacturing um, and and in terms of, of providing landing spaces examples of projects um, which have which have landed um, on our strategic sites over the last number of years you know include really big names such as uh, Wuxi Biologics in 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 Dundalk um, who announced uh, an investment of, of over 300 million um, Johnson and Johnson and Limerick um, Abbott and Abbey and Sligo, um, um, Stryker in Cork, West Farmer in Waterford, Wasdale again in Dundalk, uh, Amazon in Drogheda, um, Edwards Farmer in Limerick. And these projects 
while strategic sites, um, and, and there are only 12 of them across the country, um, they make up almost half of the land portfolio of IDA. They are highly serviced sites that take many years to assemble. Um, but without them, we can't attract these very large infrastructure uh, dependent, utility services dependent um, investments into Ireland. And not just into Ireland, but into Ireland and its regional and its regional um, mm-hmm. hubs. So the, the 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 property division, I suppose, is there to ensure that we we continue to invest in the infrastructure and the solutions necessary to make Ireland's regions and Dublin attractive for future investment to assist in the marketing of Ireland um, and its property solutions and then and to be and to be a, a huge enabler. The availability of high quality property options that allow world leading and, and rapidly growing companies to quickly and easily set up and scale up is is absolutely critical. And and at the end of the day, that is what has made Ireland very successful. In terms of winning projects, you know, we have clusters of activities, we have excellent skill set, we have an international talent pool, we have, you know, we have good reference clients, but without a, a functioning property and construction sector, Ireland cannot win. Uh, yeah, elements. and th- and that's a that's a sentiment that we hear echoed not just from um, the public sector, but from the private sector also. Um, but again, a lot of the the strategic land banks you've mentioned there, you know, you're looking at um, supporting regional development as well. So under the new government, the national planning framework, do we know how seamlessly that's going to be adopted? We know it's going to be revised. Do we know how how to what extent it's likely to be revised? We don't know that, um, and we will, you know, as as IDA, as a property division, and and as an organisation generally, we will feed in mm-hmm. to that process. The the national development plan sets out uh, a list of projects to be delivered to 2022, um, and a 160 euro investment plan, and, and we track that very carefully because there are so many critical projects within that plan, um, whether they be um, motorway infrastructure or trans- other um, public transport infrastructure that are absolutely critical to enabling and facilitating the future development of, of um, strategic sites um, or towns or villages uh, in regional Ireland and opening up Dublin um, in terms of public transport. Um, they are so mm-hmm. critical um, that no matter what government and no matter what review takes place, um, I suppose the business case for those projects has been made and continues to be made, and with a growing population, um, and and with with all of the demands that we see on these pieces of infrastructure, the I suppose the fundamentals of the national planning framework will remain will remain strong, and and those infrastructure projects will remain absolutely critical in those regional locations, and it will be ideas. Um, we will be very strong in advocating for. Um, to ensure that you know we we remain you know the, the the that we remain honest and true to the objectives and and the targets of not only the national planning framework itself and its long term agenda but the the short term goals in terms of the 116 billion euro plan. Absolutely, um, but when we talk about the infrastructure supporting regional development, you know, it'd be remiss not to incorporate the residential market into that because we know we, we've seen in the private sector, um, we've seen industry leaders speaking out about um, 
issues within the housing market in Ireland, whether it's availability of rent or or new homes to purchase or the affordability of either of those sectors, we know that that's something that has an impact on business. So do you feel that there's an um, an adequate kind of tie-in there? In terms of tie-in, I think there there probably is. Um, what we have to get right, um, one of the, the major pillars of the National Planning Framework is compact growth. And we see compact growth and, and placemaking and, and, and urban redevelopment um, being talked about. And what we need to see is delivery. Um, we, we have, you know, we've many examples around the country where, we, where it, it isn't um, currently financially viable to develop apartments in some locations. What can we do to unlock that? Where heights are not being permitted in certain locations where maybe they're very appropriate for, for higher density development. Um, for people to live in city centres. Um, we, in terms of support, so so supply side measures, in terms of increasing the number of units delivered in, in, in certain locations aligned to the national planning framework, but then demand side supports um, in terms of that locked out generation, um, you know, professional couples earning between 60 and 100,000 that, that find it difficult to buy a house because of um, high rental costs. It's 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 about and through the national planning framework and through the program for government, I I remain confident and and, and we remain confident that um, we will see um, while there is a, probably a temporary disruption uh, as a result of COVID nineteen that we will see uh, an increase in the supply of housing and we've seen a significant increase in the supply of housing since twenty thirteen um, and that we continue to see that and that that supports um, the. I suppose the skills base in regional locations um, to to continue to develop and, and and where they have attractive places to live and work um, within you know urban centres and and yeah. Centers. And to be fair to our newly appointed housing minister, you know in his in his first address he spoke about um, the challenge that he's he's prioritising, which is uh, the affordability of housing. You know, it's an immediate challenge as well as a doubling of social housing output and supporting private housing output. Um, they were very much aimed at uh, buyers and consumers. It's unclear yet what the supply side initiatives are likely to be. Do you or, or do you have any insight into that? Um, I, I suppose it is. At this point, we don't have. Um, we 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 haven't sat down with the new housing minister, um, and we 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 haven't been engaged with his department since his appointment. Um, but certainly, we 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 maintain a level of confidence that um, all of the various measures taken by the last government and the soundings that are coming from our new minister are all extremely positive um, in his um, what. What appears to be the, the 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 strategy, and certainly the program for government is very strong on the need to address the housing shortages. And 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 I think in terms of what will success look like for this government, I'd say one major one major yardstick is going to be um, how it tackles the housing mm-hmm. crisis. Um, and 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 the the second part the second part of that is that huge progress has been made over the last number of years while while you know headlines um are can can be um can be very stark um when it comes to housing a huge amount of progress has been made over the last few years you know 
housing output has increased significantly. The development of the urban development and building height guidelines, the apartment design guidelines. Um, there's been you know, the, the establishment of the land development agency. A huge amount of progress has been made and it's now important that we, we continue along that path and, and, we, and we address the, 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 the uh, and we continue to address the issues which are, which are challenging housing delivery and especially housing delivery in regional locations. Mm. I, I think that's that they're all fair points. And I suppose finally, then to, to come full circle, how important is construction and and indeed the property sector to the success of the IDA? And I think and I think to be um, to be frank on this, absolutely critical. Um, when we sit down with international companies, um, and we talk about Ireland and we talk about our reference cells. We talk about the success that other companies have enjoyed here. We talk about them not only on their investment journey, but on their development journey. We talk about the planning process. We talk about the, the construction process of other companies. We talk about you're always looking to a reference cell and you're always introducing them to. So the capacity of the construction market. And we look at that in, when, when we're having those conversations and we're, we always remark at the, the number of successful examples that we have to refer to. And often we see that companies and, and the, the, the FDI community is very close and they talk to each other. Um, and you will often find that Irish companies are brought abroad again by our FDI uh, base to work on projects, whether that be data centers or, or pharma manufacturing um, plants. Our indigenous uh, construction sector is now traveling abroad with companies they've built relationships with in Ireland um, to complete major projects um, in Europe or, 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 or across the world, which is a huge um, which which is is is, is a huge credit yeah. to the industry. Yeah, um, I I know there's so much more we could go into, and we just don't have time today. But I certainly hope to revisit these these topics. Um, so that was Damien Kogannon, head of property at the IDA Ireland. Damien, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, now we need to. We need to take another much, quick break. My apologies again for any sound quality issues. Once again, we are, of course, recording remotely while the station remains in lockdown. So uh, please bear with us while we resolve any sound issues that we have. And we'll take another quick break. Stay tuned. 93.9 Dublin South FM. And welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. I'm now joined over the phone by Ronan McGrath, Managing Director at McGrath Con- uh, Construction Consultants. And Ronan is on site, so apologies. Apologies for any poor sound quality. Ronan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks very much for having me, Carol. Um, so, Ronan, it's been a while since we've spoken last. A lot has changed. How have the last few months been for uh, McGrath Construction Consultants? Well, I definitely describe it as being interesting anyway, you know. It's, um, it's, been, it's been certainly something new that we've had to deal with. But that's, that's the construction industry for you. There's always something new that you have to deal with and you just have to grow thick skin and learn how to handle it. But it's been very interesting and it's been a big change for us. We kind of got to it in early March when it first all started to go wrong. We suppose we'll say we had a large amount of work on our books uh, at a time. So mm-hmm. we sort of had five or six weeks worth of work in front of us. So we weren't uh, too concerned in the first kind of instance. But once it started to get into April and May, uh, when the lockdown came and actually the sites closed, that stopped a lot of our of our on-site work and our ongoing work. But mm-hmm. a lot of the, you know, the work for tendering and, and uh, helping contractors 
and you know getting ready for part fives a lot of that stayed going so while we while we were quiet uh, on the live jobs we still had a lot to do so we we stayed going i mean like nobody got let go or anything like that or you know we never actually stopped uh, working uh, throughout that time so it's been interesting and then i suppose the last month since we've all been back in the office uh, we've we've had a quiet week to kind of start with everybody getting used to the new regulations and doing all their health and safety and everything like that and I think the last month then, the last three weeks, we've had a very, very busy last three to four weeks. A lot of inquiries, a lot of jobs coming back, you know, from the dead, so to speak. And it's been really busy. So it's it's been great. Okay. You know, I, interesting. That's a, that's a great euphemism there. Um, it has definitely been interesting times. Uh, but look, you've touched on something really important, and that is the resilience of Ireland's construction sector. And it's not just Ireland's construction sector. Um, construction is something by its very nature that needs to be resilient uh, to be able to thrive. But, you know, just you were talking about how um, things have been busy in terms of tendering. And that's something that I've heard echo from everybody we've spoken to over the past few months. I don't think anybody in the construction industry stopped working. Everybody was working particularly hard to try secure sites that had to be shut down to make sure that uh, momentum could be regained the second you went back on sites. But in terms of tenders, have you find there's been much change from, say, work that you had tendered for previously? Uh, you know, ha- have those, uh, have the briefs changed at this stage? It, it's hard to say. It's really still too early to say. Right now, the last month has been busy and everyone I've been talking to has been busy. So I don't think that rates will be affected too much. Um, it, it's hard to say because there should be a, a change because of the new COVID regulations. Work will be slower, you know, prelims will be extra. But also, you know, there will be people who will be keen for the work because, you know, they might have been laid off or certain jobs might be cancelled. But I'm not seeing too many effects of jobs being cancelled or jobs not going ahead or there's going to be, you know, this 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 idea that there's going to be loads more lads available and hungry for work at the, at the minute. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen that happen yet, that this, this loosening up of labour and availability of labour. I haven't seen that yet. But I think yeah, people at the moment are just kind of going with it. They're kind of just saying, right, look, let's continue on as normal and see how it happens over the next few months. And, you know, there has been a few COVID payments made in terms of, you know, for to compensate people for the lockdown and everything like that. But I, right now, I don't think the effects of it have actually taken place. If you were to ask me right now, I don't think the effects have taken place just yet. Yeah, I know. I think that's a fair assessment. We don't know what the what the full impacts are going to be because everybody's so concerned and focused on kind of uh, troubleshooting and firefighting right now. Um, but in terms of labour, we know that um, at least at least twenty percent of Ireland's uh, construction workforce. Um, they're not, uh, sorry, they're people who are not living full time in Ireland necessarily. So we know that at the start or, or just before the shutdown, people who weren't living in Ireland uh, full time or weren't settled in Ireland full time returned to their own countries and they haven't come back, um, a lot of them, because they're going to be facing a quarantine period. So it doesn't make sense for them to come back yet. So we know that labour is still something that's actually in difficulty despite all of the the uh, chaos that has happened over the past few months. But in terms of work at McGrath Construction Consultants, what kind of construction projects is your team working on at the moment? 
So a lot of what we're doing is a lot of, you know, multi-unit residential units. So you're, you're talking housing estates, apartment blocks, um, a, a, a lot of it is that. And again, a lot of those projects, you know, they stalled for seven weeks, but, you know, they're back going now full full steam ahead. I mean, we still have a homelessness crisis, so that hasn't changed. It's probably gotten worse yeah. with the COVID. That hasn't changed. So those projects are all going full steam ahead. Uh, another two or three are to start in the in the coming months. So those are all those are all you know absolutely going full steam ahead. Um, yeah. We've we've a few then that we're working on the the likes of the other the, I suppose the other side of the business for that we do with co- contractors and and homeowners is the extension renovations. So those seem to be going ahead uh, for now. As normal, you know. Again, life does life does go on for the most part uh, in the building industry. You know, people moving house, people's family situations change, and all these things keep still happening. So they've gone ahead so far for the most part. So a lot of that will be extension renovations of of old kind of former corporation housing or, or old estates from the seventies and eighties, and you know, extension renovation. People spending two, three hundred thousand euro, you know, actually getting these these to their to their own liking. So that's that's been a lot of of what we've been doing, you know. So sort of on on two fronts, there's been the extension yeah. renovations uh, still continuing, but very much so powering ahead. I would say is, you know, the multi-unit residential for sale for private, and particularly the sale for for you know semi-state bodies and you know housing agencies. You know, they're they're, they're still. That one ahead, you know, the homelessness yeah. crisis hasn't gone away, and you know, the need for housing hasn't gone away. Supply is still the number one issue, uh, so that's 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 not gone anywhere. Those, those are flying yeah. ahead. That's a fair assessment. Um, and you know, we will we will come back to talking about maybe some of the social housing that that is ongoing and that needs to ramp up. But in terms of the renovations, I think that's an interesting one because one of the trends we've seen, and in fact, um, architects have spoken about how they've got an increase in, in new business and phone calls from people who, having been essentially locked into their homes for the last number of months with family while people were trying to work from home and kids were trying to be homeschooled while uh, keeping all the family entertained and keeping everybody sane. And really what we've discovered is that, you know, the, this trend towards open living doesn't work when every member of the family is at home and trying to function independently. So in terms of extensions, are you seeing any trends maybe that you might not have seen prior to the lockdown? No, well, what I am, I, and it might be a bit early for, for us as QSs to, to say, because by the time, the, when, if the architects are getting these queries now, we'll see them three to six months down the line. But certainly on the jobs that I am on now, office pods are a big, t- the, the garage been turned into an office. Those are a big yeah. thing at the moment that we're seeing straight away. Home offices, uh, you know, playroom slash home office is is something that's that that's that's quite common now. So people are making allowances for home working. However long that trend lasts is is another debate I'll get into. But people are making accounts for 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 home office. They're either getting a pod, an office pod, or you know a, an outside building, or they're they're making the box room. That's their office. That's the that that's the office space. Or even sometimes their people are there. They're they're they are for for uh, whether they're right or wrong. They're putting it into their open plan kitchen, living dining area, and they're having something that's you know something that they can put away at the end of the day or and, and pull yeah. out at the end of the day. So 
you know, we all had challenges uh, working from home and we all kind of discovered what it was like. But I, I, th- I think we'll, we'll see we'll see those trends fully in three to six months. But from what, what we've seen uh, for jobs that have been existing has been repurposing or getting an office pod out, out the back or out the side or whatever. But repurposing yeah. definitely is definitely, I'd say, probably the main trend. Uh, I, I was actually saying, no, sorry, I would say getting the office pods and repurposing existing rooms are definitely the two main trends that we've seen so far. But I'd say in three to six months down the line, We'll we'll be seeing something. We'll be seeing something totally, totally different. Yeah, well, I suppose the working from home is such an immediate priority because you know it's interesting from our own point of view in Property District. We are already a remote team, so even though we have an office in Dublin, you know, we have um, our web designer and partner in the business uh, down in Kerry. We have a graphic designer in Canada. You know, we're, so we're already quite remote. So one of the interesting things that we've discovered was we presumed everybody would be going back to their office, and when it came time for us to go back, actually. We decided not to do it just yet. But I, I thought we were alone in that. Where now when I'm speaking to businesses, there seems to be kind of cut off points of maybe September to return to the office. And some are actually pushing it out to next January if they have a large workforce to phase this return. So, uh, Ronan, you're based in, in Wexford, is it? That's right, yeah. We have an office in Wexford and an office in Sandyford. Okay, so uh, actually one of the interesting stats I saw from my home was that um, people are, the my home searches were actually showing people who wanted to live and, and work from home and commute from Wicklow. Those searches were up 70% and for people looking towards Wexford, those searches were up 90%. So that's huge. Waterford is, or sorry, Wexford is definitely seen as a desirable area for today's house hunters. Yeah, well, I'm currently uh, moving house at the minute, so just tell people not to buy anything in Wexford until my deal is done. <laughs> then they can, then they can uh, come ahead because it's a, it's a, it's the best county in Ireland. But yeah, look, Wexford will become there's there's a new road, so there's, there's motorway all the way beyond Enniscorthy. Um, now, so I mean, you know, an hour and ten minutes would get you to Dublin from Enniscorthy. You know parked you'd be parked wherever you're going off the m50 in an hour and 10 minutes these days so it's 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 a really good it's a really good road now so people will be coming down to to wexford and there is there is a good few developments going on down here so it wouldn't surprise me especially if people are going to be working from home that Mm -hmm. little bit more now whether this working from home trend continues is a matter for debate i don't know how long it will last i would say maybe you know people working from home a day or two and i'd say there will be certain jobs that that you know particularly you know technical it uh, jobs uh, that don't involve a whole load of interaction with a team that could certainly you know i could certainly see that being done a lot more at home but certainly when you're part of a, a team and you're 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 part of you and you're providing a service to clients I would see this trend kind of ev- not evaporating away to, to nothing. Certainly it will change and it has opened people's minds about working from home one or two days a week. But I see the trend evaporating away over the next month, couple, you know, a couple of months, maybe a year, because people get fed up. You know, people get fed up very quickly of, you know, where's this lad? Oh, he's not in today. He's in Wednesday. And I need to get these two lads to sit down and talk to each other. Well, he's not in on Friday. I can see how it's going to get very frustrating very quickly. And it's like a lot of things that, you know, it's ex- it's quite acceptable now. 
because you know we are in the situation that we're in for people to be working away and working remotely and people being in different places but very quickly uh i want to say very quickly i mean sometime in the next 12 months i would i would imagine people getting fed up with this remote working uh in terms of you know trying to run a team in different offices that you can't just walk in and go what's the situation is this what's the sit you know what's the stuff yeah. at a glance what's happening at a glance I, I would imagine that that trend would be would, would evaporate fairly quickly you know but, and, and leave what will be left will be a, a more open mind to people working from home a number of days a week but I think just the whole okay the whole might change yeah, actually, I hope you're wrong on that, because I think the tools are in place to allow us to work uh, much more seamlessly. And in fact, I think some of the tools that were, were um, supporting working from home have really improved. And, you know, they've, they've really been tested. And where where improvements need to be made, I feel they've really improved over the last couple of months. So I, I actually hope you're wrong about that. But who knows? We, we might be having a very different conversation in a year's time. Um, but before we let you go, you might just um, explain very quickly about uh, um, Elevation Construction Network that you're involved with. Yeah, that's my baby, um, the Elevation Construction Network over the last few years. And you know, we were we were quite successful with that, um, particularly in the initial phases, and over the last few years. So what we do is we set up uh, we set up a network. Uh, I suppose it was a cluster for businesses uh, in and connected to the construction industry. And what we do is we meet every couple of weeks. We exchange information. We exchange leads, and it's a, it's a business group for people you know looking to expand and improve. Because we often get speakers in, and we often, you know, help uh, help with that and collaborate and work together. And it's basically just made the businesses that are containing us just made made them all stronger, got them all connected, and it's it's been fantastic. It's been a great success. We we started it uh, in 2016, and we're still going. We won an award uh, in 2016. It was Ireland's best young entrepreneur. We we won the Wexford Heat for the startup section. So we're well we're very happy. We're very happy with that. Uh, it was under 35s, by the way, before you make a smart comment about a uh, young entrepreneur there, Carol. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't I wasn't even going to think of it, Ronan, honestly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, and, 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 and you know, it's, it's been great and it's been something that's, that's, I suppose, helped us bring our business up. And I suppose the, the catchphrase is elevate your business to the next level. And that's what a lot of the businesses that we've been connected to are doing, is they're, they're trying to connect, connect with people and they're trying to, drive their own businesses forward and it's a lot easier to do that with people that are doing the same thing than it is to try to do that on your own and there's natural connections in the construction industry between trades and professionals and it's good to have people that you can rely on and people that you're working with consistently that you know you've got that level of dependability you've got that level of of consistent work you've got that level of consistent performance and we found that uh, when when people have joined us, that it's it's really helped their business. And they've contributed to the group, and we've we've helped them. So it's it's something that yeah. we're very proud of, and it's something that's uh, that's still going, and, and we're very happy with it. That that's actually a, another example of something that's been done online. We've been doing all the Zoom meetings um, over the last while, and that's something that's that's I suppose had to adapt as well. A lot of the networks, instead of meet, meeting people physically, uh, that's had to adapt. To Zoom as well, so all those meetings have been held online now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and look, I, I think the construction industry there's definitely room for more. Uh, you know, I'm not sure networking, you know, is the full is the full um, 
description of it, the term there, because it's about so much more. It really is about building trust. This is an industry that depends on um, connecting with people and having a relationship of trust so you can bring them in on projects. Uh, it, it's, it's a really important one. So I'm delighted to hear that that's going well. Um, so again, you've given us plenty to think about there. So my thanks again to Ronan McGrath, Managing Director of McGrath Construction Consultants for joining us today. That's it from us today. Thank you for listening into Property Matters on Dublin South FM. You can get in touch with the show on Twitter at iProperty Radio or by emailing hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Also, thank you to Peter Rice on Sound, the show producer Kate Talon of Hear Me Roar Media. We're back at the same time next week from myself, Carol Talon, and all the team here. Stay safe.